Hey, Tommy. Mm -hmm. What did the gaming reporter say about the, or sorry, what did the movie critics say about the Minecraft movie? I don't know. What did they say? It's a blockbuster. God damn it. I should have, I get like you, I should have seen that coming. Uh, even my brain was rolling over something about blocks. Yeah. Yeah. But, just, but oh boy, we're on the thing I'm hyper fixating about right now. It's that episode. <laughs> yeah. Today we're talking about uh, video games, specifically like introducing your kids to them. Uh, can what concerns like you should have as a parent, uh, both from just like generic, like, like, are there harmful or, or positive effects of, you know, the hobby, just like in developmental sort of sense, but also like, uh, video games are a form of media. And as leftists, we're certainly concerned about the effects of, uh, media on our kids and on ourselves and, uh, video games are no exception. So, uh, I've been, I've had kids that have been consuming media for several years now. So I have some experience with this and I think it'll be a good topic to, to talk about how to introduce kids to your video games and how to avoid uh, letting them adopt bad ideas from them. How about that new call of duty Fallujah game? Oh dear God. I can't stand that whole series. I'm sorry. I, call of duty war <laughs> I like shooter games just fine, but like, I cannot stand the degree to which like the whole Call of Duty franchise is just like fucking uh, jerking off the American military unquestioningly. Like it's just really bad. But before I go off, I could do an episode ranting about Call of Duty. Just the fact that it takes up the entire fucking console. It would take every bit of memory inside my console. And that is a very intentional and strategic thing so that I cannot have any other video games that I will ever play. And I will only play it. They literally just zip bomb your your console so you can only play Call of Duty. It's like, sorry, this takes up 3.4 terabytes somehow. Uh, but that's another episode. That's another episode. Because <laughs> this video game does make me violent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, with that very um, seamless transition. Uh, <laughs> so like, obviously like, now, I I would expect probably the majority of anyone who would be watching us to sort of like probably already have a sense that like the whole do video games make people violent discourse is kind of like, you know, played out at this point. Like the answer is no. And that's pretty true. Um, the scientific evidence is like very conclusive that um, video games do not have a correlation to or a contribution to any increases in violent crime or just like violent behaviors. Um, but there's a separate concern about aggression that's a little bit more contentious. Um, and, you know, I think we've all seen enough gamer rage compilations on <laughs> YouTube to know that like, mm, maybe there's something there. Uh, scientifically, it's still kind of a bit up in the air. Um, Meta-analyses, they were to the point that they considered doing meta-analyses on the effects of video games on aggression. And I often wonder, like, I, it's very hard to get into the details here because, you know, academic journals are often paywalled and all that kind of stuff. But um, from what I can tell, it doesn't, I haven't seen a great breakdown in any of them, like, in any of the studies of, like, 
by genre of game. For example, like I have a hard time believing that like the Sims causes the same level of increased aggression as like Overwatch. <laughs> but um you know, still uh the there's still some meta analyses about it. Uh in which like there's a lot of squabbling right now over methodologies and and all that kind of stuff. Um the most recent meta-analysis I could find uh, concludes that evidence did not support links between earlier playing of violent video games and later aggression. The authors found an overall correlation of R uh, equals 0.059 and stated that uh, in their meta-analyses, the better the quality of the study that was included, the more likely it was to find uh, no evidence uh, for effects. So my takeaway as a layperson was that video games are probably fine. Um, like with anything in life you expose yourself to or you expose your kids to, you know, the effects can be very individualized. Uh, obviously some people get into some like really bad patterns of behavior when it comes to interacting with video games or movies or anything else. And you should be vigilant and seeing how things that you expose your kids to affect them and adjust if those effects are negative in some way. Yeah, I, I agree with this. And I mean, from my point of view and my understanding of the subject, like a lot of this, uh, a lot of discussion I've seen on this kind of uh, revolves around the Bandura study, a, a psychological study, I think it was from the 1970s. Um, regarding modeling of aggression, uh, where it was, according to the study, it was, very clear that children when they see somebody else like it, it was like it was like an inflatable doll and I'm pulling this from memory also like don't get mad at me if I get it a little wrong I don't research things for the podcast Philip does um, <laughs> but, um, um, so there's like an inflatable doll in a room and they have a, like they have the kids sit down and watch as an adult like walks in with a baseball bat and beats the shit out of the doll and then walks out and then the kid is like, they're like, hey, okay, now you can play with the doll however you want. And then the control group, they just sat in a room with the doll. And what they saw was that the group that saw the adult beat the shit out of the doll with a baseball bat proceeded to beat the shit out of the doll. And the group that didn't witness that didn't. And so... That's not terribly to- surprising. Especially, like, uh, there's a viral video that's been going around recently of, like, uh, like... It's like a dad and his kid like watching something on TV. It's like a sports thing. And then like uh, like something sudden happens and like the dad like like falls back in his chair holding his head because it's bad for his team. And he's like, oh, no. And the kid's like just notices that something exciting happened. It's like, yeah. And then like he like turns around and sees his dad and then he like goes. Yeah, like mimicking his dad exactly. And it's just like <laughs> Mimicry. that's uh, that's it. Yeah. It's a thing that kids do. And now I would say it is a far cry to put, I I think when we attach that to video games, and I know there's some studies specifically on video games that are different and deal with a bunch of stuff that I'm not aware of, and I'm trusting you on that. Um, This is a study that I just heard cited enough times that it frustrates me that we pull it up. uh, And I'm not saying you pulled it up, but I know other people pull this study up as a evidence of this. And it's such a far step to say, okay, well, if kids do that mimicry, then if they see 
I mean, the, that, the study didn't show that kids watched them beat the shit out of this doll. And so then 20 years later, they decided that the best way to deal with um, a, like somebody walking too close to them on the side of the street was to beat them with a baseball bat. Like, it doesn't show that. Um, and you're taking that an extra step further when you're saying that them watching a character do that in a video game or more specifically them doing that with their character in a video game precipitates the same way. And like, I caught a lot of that when I was a kid, Grand Theft Auto was really big and there was a lot of people that, and I understand the concern and I'm going to, you know, there's going to be a certain age and some conversations that are going to come with my kid of watching, of playing Grand Theft Auto. Um, but you know, there was a lot of concern that like, you know, for us playing Grand Theft Auto, we were going to, it was just way too close to reality and that we were going to try to deal with things in reality in the way that we dealt with them in the Grand Theft Auto. And as a kid, I thought that was ridiculous. Like, I know I can't just walk down the street and machine gun people for money. Um, one of the things... Yeah. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. Uh, yeah, so one of the things, too, that I think people mistake here is we do have you know, issue, so they'll say, well, but we do have that problem today in America. People will just think, oh, well, the way I can deal with my problem is I can machine gun a room full of people. Mass shootings are a problem in America. I will argue video games are popular around the world. This is a problem in America. Yeah. I don't yeah. think the and two things are tied together. Specifically when it comes to school shootings, that's been studied pretty thoroughly and very conclusively showed that, like, shooting style video games or just video games in general absolutely have no correlation to uh school shootings and the anyone i think making that argument in the year of our lord 2023 uh is probably just repeating some talking point they heard like 20 years ago and uh hasn't have not updated their data in decades but that said you know like uh I won't pretend like video games like anything else in life, uh, especially like forms of media can have negative effects on kids in some ways. Um, like I can, you know, I already know that like there's someone, you know, sort of thinking like, okay, but like I got addicted to video games. It was a big problem in my life or like I've seen my kid do this or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh and it's very real to those people. And, you know, to to acquiesce a little bit to that, it's like negative behavior as a result of video games is not demonstrated in the data at a population level. So it's like not like video games do not have this effect in terms of like a direct sort of cause and effect type relationship. Like if you put, if you take a society, if you could somehow erase video games, you just sprinkle them back in, there would not be a correlated increase in violence or aggression or any of those negative behaviors as far as we can tell scientifically right now but that said um the reality of individuals is that like it's very complicated and there's lots of it's a very multifaceted sort of thing and people who are experiencing depression or experiencing uh you know certain have certain neurodivergent experiences or certain developmental conditions can certainly get into a space where video games become a problem with not, not with the video game and not even that there's something wrong with the person specifically the interaction of that person's circumstances and neuro uh, neurology with the way that certain video games are designed 
is problematic. And you may be able to find video games that do not have that effect on on that person. And you may be able to find or find other media that they can engage in that doesn't cause you know problematic behaviors. I can say like uh, as a neurodivergent person, I have ADHD. Uh, I think I've mentioned this before in a previous episode. Um, I've certainly had the experience of getting completely sucked into with like hyper focus into a game that I love. And just like losing track of time and I will like look up and I'll have gotten on my computer. Like, I don't do this as much now that I have kids and I get interrupted constantly, but like, especially before I had kids, like I could get on my computer at like nine in the morning and look up and it would be like 3 PM. And I'd be like, Oh, I guess I should probably get some food. Uh, and you know, when I do that, when I get really sucked into a game, it could also make me very irritable if I get interrupted or the game doesn't go the way that I want it to go uh, or I have to switch tasks or that kind of stuff. I can get really, um, I can start like feeling more aggressive about it. Right. Like, and that's a interaction of my ADHD with a thing that gives me regular and consistent dopamine hits uh, over a long period of time. Like that's true for me with any number of tasks that have that feature. Video games are, you know, an example. Uh, And, uh, you know, ADHD being very genetically inheritable. I have at least one kid with ADHD, possibly two. The other one's a little bit too young to tell. Um, But uh, the, like for the one that does, you know, and honestly, both of them, if they get too much concentrated screen time, uh, especially depending on what they're being allowed to do on their tablets at the moment, like like we have basically taken YouTube completely off the tablets because when they would just like get sucked into it, like a YouTube video spiral, uh, like they would act, their behavior was terrible. It was like very, very bad. Like they would get really angry if you t- tried to get them to do anything else. Uh, they would act like, like, we could be like, let's go to the zoo. And they'd be like, and you just be like, what the hell? Like, um, and so like giving them concentrated screen time, especially concentrated screen time that has like a very passive sort of like low activity, sort of like reinforcement to it is very bad for them. And so, you know, when it comes to those kind of things, we have to be a little bit more, particular about like okay if you're going to watch videos it has to be like this sort of video that's enriching in some way and engages your mind in a little bit more active way or you know if you're going to play a video game you know it's going to be for you know a fixed amount of time then we're going to take a break you know type of thing um so i what i basically want to communicate is like what i'm not also saying is that video games are completely harmless and you can thoughtlessly throw them at your children and let them spend an unmonitored amount of time on it and it will have no negative effects on, on them or your life. Uh, go hog wild. You know, it's like, it's like with any other thing you gotta, you gotta pay attention to it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like I hear so much of what you're saying in my own, uh, myself and the YouTube thing is a problem I've had. Um, YouTube is a weird place for me. It is either, a place I spend way too much time and I go down these like YouTube spirals and I just, I'm there for an entire day and I get into that exact same place. I'm extremely irritable. If anybody wants me to do anything other than that, I am, I just cannot break that spiral. 
And then when I do break that spiral, I don't understand why anybody would go to YouTube. Like, I'll go to YouTube and I'll burn all of this is useless. I don't want to spend 20 minutes watching this video about this incredibly mundane thing. Why would anyone do this? I don't understand it. And then, God damn it, I'll watch one of them and I'm in it. Yeah. it's YouTube is a special kind of crack that we haven't cracked yet. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I... Uh... I try to really constrain my YouTube usage to some particular channels um, that have helped me you know, keep up with things or, um, you know, are particularly like niche interests. Like I'll, like I play D and D. So like I'll follow some D and D channels and they'll, you know, and I'm very intentional about like specifically going like, do I want to learn about this thing? Like this person's perspective on this very specific topic, like right now, you know, like it takes some active mental effort to not get sucked into this, to the thing you're describing. Um, um, it, with the video games, with different styles of video games, having different effects is something too, that is very, even as an adult for me is very, I have to be very conscientious about how I pick my video games. And i a hundred percent about like doing that with kids um because values taken from games like rpgs that allow me to choose the good path or bad path there are times where those are a good thing for me and there are times that those are not um games that you know uh are empty games where there is absolutely no value system no care like there's no story there's no good or bad or anything like that involved with them there are times that's good and bad for me uh, and I think for kids, I think there's a lot of like, you know, I, I do think there are like specifically, okay, I'm, I'm sucked into Star Trek online right now. And so I can talk about it easily, uh, with Star Trek online, there's a really bad thing that I dislike where in a lot of like the story arcs, you're able to pick decisions on what will happen and what you'll do. Nothing really changes based on those. And I don't like that. Like, in other words, you're able to be a bad guy, a villain, just for the fun sake, like nothing negative will happen to you if you choose a villain path. If you genocide a village, if you blow up a spaceship, if you like don't help the people that need helped, nothing's bad. Nothing bad is going to happen. You're not really going to get punished in any way for that. You're still going to get the same amount of experience points and you can just continue on in the game. And I've heard a lot of people talking about there being a really toxic player base on Star Trek Online. And I'm like, yeah, this is the, that's not. I don't like that. I don't like that. I think if a game is going to make have you do moral and ethical decisions, it needs to make you pay consequences for those moral and ethical decisions. Yeah, um, and make it a lesson. Like, yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I thought you were going to go into the like the typical criticism of any MMO, which is like your decisions don't matter because you all have to arrive at the same place so that you're all playing the same game. Like, you can't do the thing where like you blow up a planet but another player didn't. Like, it has yes. to exist for everyone. So like. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, you choose the bad path, but then someone comes in and stops you before you could do it. And, you know, like, like there's some of that where it's like they let you make a decision, but your decision doesn't actually matter. But uh, yes, also that the thing you described where like, um, you know, you don't get consequences for your actions. Like you just get to act like I have to struggle with this and also in a D&D &D hobby, believe it or not, people coming in to do improv in person in a, in a, hey, in you know in a rpg who want to be like like i had uh, this one player once who was just like they were working for a secret organization that was extremely selective with who it let in uh you know like in the story like that's the thing that was happening it was like this like sort of um 
you know, uh, underground network of academics who were studying this like secret thing. And they have like this like underwater base and uh, they have like a bunch of their like relics and stuff they found on shelves, you know, cause they've been excavating this like buried city or whatever. And like one of the, like she had like a vial of something or other that she held. She's like, Oh yeah, we found this. And he's like, I just grab it from her. And it's like, what? Okay. <laughs> like, so I'm like, let him roll for it or whatever. And he like failed and like almost got them thrown out of the whole thing. And he's like, well, what the heck? And I'm like, bud, you can't just act like an antisocial douchebag because you're playing a role-playing game. Like there are consequences. If you steal shit from this secret organization, they will f- call the freaking guard on you and throw you in jail for theft. Like you're not a God. Stop. <laughs> like yeah. anyway, random tangent. No, no, no. But I think there's, uh, yeah, no, I think that's like a valid thing of like things that fuel into those kind of God comp. Like, I, I think a thing I have to ask myself a lot of times is why I'm playing a video game. And it was something that I, it's, and that's something too that I think is worth, obviously, you don't want to ask your kids every time they play a game. But I mean, like, you know, that's an element of thought and discussion that can go into things. Like, why do you want to play this? Um, and like with MMOs, like, sorry, and I'm, I'm tangent, bouncing around a little bit here. Uh, but one of the other things with MMOs I think is very valid to talk about is uh, the loot boxing systems and the, the, more capitalistic ends of them and uh, how that really feeds into a lot of ADHD tendencies can feed mm-hmm. into, um, you know, it just becomes like a job thing. You have to, do. are you playing this game because you are having fun doing it? Or are you playing it? Cause you want to meet your dailies today. Um, if you're just yeah. playing this cause you want to meet your dailies, maybe this is not the screen time you need this. Now nah, we need to cut this game. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know and I mean? I used to play a lot. One of the, toxic things i got into as a kid was i would play games as a way of escapism and as a way of uh release like releasing tension ang- anger aggression anxiety stuff like that like i would drop into grand theft auto put all cheats on and slaughter everybody i could get my hands on because i was angry and maybe yeah. i needed something other than the video game right <laughs> right 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 so taking a taking a sort of step back and getting a little closer to like, you know, with the understanding that video games, you know, you can't thoughtlessly add them to your life or your children's life. Um, you know, they are a really fun thing to do. Obviously, a lot of people do them and uh, they there's a lot of like very interesting experiences and a lot of like really interesting stories and all kinds of stuff that could be done. Uh, in a video game medium and so like there's the question of like okay well if i do want to introduce my kids to this and i i i do i introduce my kids to them and uh i think it's i i would recommend it as a great thing to do uh as a family as well one of my Uh, like a bunch of my favorite memories as a kid were playing video games with my dad because my dad was like an og gamer like we had an nes Mm -hmm. when i was a baby like he it was his nes like uh he had computer he had a computer that was just for games when i was a baby which is a weird thing for philip has seen my dad and this is just weird knowledge i'm sure but um like my best memories as a kid were playing games with my dad uh so like, yeah, yeah, I, i like i am so excited to play games with my kid and that's like just a thing i want to inject here of like like 
of all of the things we're talking about. Like, of course, we want to play games with our kids because that's a, it, it's a time spent together. It's a thing. It's shared yeah. interest. Earlier, I, I got the new, uh, I don't know. It's it's not like super, super new. I don't, I don't know exactly when it came out, but it's semi-recent. There's like a company that made a thing called like Shredder's Revenge. And it's like a, it's like one of those old, like, like you know, like the 16-bit era, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle beat-em-up games that came out that were like, you know, Turtles Through Time and stuff like that. It's like, it's exactly in the genre of that, but it's done. And it's the same sort of game, but it's like, it's even got like a similar kind of graphics. Mm-hmm. It's like really more colorful and more like, like taking advantage of more modern type stuff and, you know, evolving the genre a little bit. And it's really fun and it has up to four players. And I've spent some time earlier uh, playing with that, playing that with my kids and they were having a blast. It was a great time. Um, so with that, what um, uh, I want to sort of like introduce some like top level principles because like, you can get into the weeds uh, very quickly and we will get a little bit into them in a bit um, about how to, like when you talk about genre specific things, like how do I get my kids into strategy games or shooter games or whatever. Uh, but like I would step back and at a, like a slightly higher level here, talk about some like broader principles of how to um, uh, some, like tactics and strategies of like, um, handling some like things that are common amongst many, many different kinds of games. So the the first one I want to sort of talk about is like how to handle difficulty in the games, because, um, you know, as someone who grew up in uh, sort of at the tail end of the 8-bit and thoroughly in the 16-bit era, a lot of our games were content through difficulty. Essentially, it's like the game is actually not very long, <laughs> Uh, it's only it only consumes so much of your time because you're young and you're bad at it and it's extremely hard. Um, which you know, like I like to think that that's not that that extends a little bit out of the history of video games as designed for the arcades, where that was intentional to generate more quarters. Mm-hmm. But um, some of it was also just to, like make the games that people were spending like sixty dollars on. And could probably be beaten by a competent person in like an hour and a half, justify their cost because they could hand it to their kid and it would take them months <laughs> uh, to to do an hour's worth of content uh, because of just difficulty. Uh, that said, that uh, experience was you know very exciting for us in the sense of like there wasn't much else. If you went to play video games, is kind of what you had, uh, but they're better now and there are better experiences that are less. Uh, I, I don't think that we all learned how to uh, approach video games in a healthy way necessarily through that experience. Um, and so like, I think that handling difficulty with a little bit more intentionality is um, wise. So uh, there's sort of three ways that like when I'm introducing my kids to the video games that I um, sort of try to handle um, games that you know reach a difficult, a high difficulty point. Um, the first one is like taking turns. Uh, this is a strategy that I use, particularly in a game that's single player, and then I'm kind of like backseating them playing or whatever. Um, I found that like when the difficulty peaks, is it you know in, at certain points, boss fights, that kind of thing, um, you know. 
I like to let them do it for a little bit, but then like I'll often suggest, especially if it becomes obvious that they're getting frustrated, taking turns where, uh, okay, you, you, okay, let, let, let me, uh, take a chance at it. And then we'll just switch back and forth. Like if I die, then you do it. And if you die, we'll go back and forth. Um, especially in game where like, I don't have like extremely high mastery of where like, I'm not basically guaranteed to just one shot everything. Um, it's a good thing because I'm going to fail and it will, um, demonstrate how to, um, handle failure because that could be like, ah, dang it. You know, like, ah, man, oh, so close. That's okay. Uh, we'll try again next time. Okay. Your turn. You know, like that kind of thing. Um, and it let, gives them sort of like, lets you op gives you the opportunity to, to model, um, handling frustration and failure in games, uh, in a more positive way. And, uh, it also gives them a mental break from sort of like being sucked into the challenge and getting more frustrated every time you mess up and stuff and like, take a break, see that it actually is hard. Cause like even grown up can't do it the first time and okay now i feel like i can take another shot at it okay well and then then when they fail it's like okay well it's dad's turn you know um but you know with this strategy you have to be careful to avoid playing the game for them so like if you're playing a game that you know that you're extremely good at uh and anytime they hand you the controller you're just going to blaze through um this may not be the best strategy because what you don't want to do is take the experience of playing the game away from them uh, so, you know, it's a good thing to do, especially if the game in question is one that you also are going to need a few attempts to, to make it through. Um, I did this, um, strategy specifically when I showed both of my kids, uh, at different times undertale, um, cause I'm okay at it and I've completed the, um, I've completed, um, that game through the hardest path, um, or well i guess that's a matter of debate uh but you know i've completed like a pacifist run for people that know undertale uh and um so like i'm good enough to complete the game at, at a fairly decent difficulty but like not so much that like if you hand me the controller i could i could easily no hit one shot every boss in the game or anything like that like if i was that good i would probably not use the taking turn strategy um the second uh method of handling difficulty is uh just cheat i mean like i, I did this as a kid constantly uh particularly with like some of the strategy games that i would play that had like cheat codes like i didn't understand those games well enough to make good strategic decisions that didn't you know lose me the game on turn three but didn't realize it until turn 50 so like i would get to turn 50 with my cool like two dragons in my strategy game and get completely blown away by an ai that had built an entire freaking army and i would just cheat <laughs> because i had the cheat code and i was like i don't want to play this scenario again uh and like to some degree that cheapens it a little bit um but uh in other ways it's like kind of a correction for um uh, a difficulty that I wasn't prepared to actually handle. Um, and so, you know, really you can just go old school and just whip out the cheat codes uh, or mods, you know, so not every game has cheat codes nowadays. It was a lot more common uh, in older era games. 
Um, it's a especially good strategy for like some of the older games uh, whose difficulty does not scale well. Um, I'm looking at some like old school strategy games in particular. Um, like just like I have a nine year old, he's never gonna beat the last mission of StarCraft Brood War Zerg campaign. Like that's not gonna happen because that's hard and it requires a lot of multitasking and a lot of like macro and a lot of stuff that's just like he's not going to be capable of doing without just an egregious amount of practice. And maybe one day he's down for that. I, at one point did much later, like I was in my teens, I think when I beat it legitimately, like, but uh, I beat it a long time before that by cheating because, and because I wanted to see the story and see how it plays out. Uh, And it's just like, they know what cheating is. You know what I mean? Like they'll know that they didn't earn it or whatever. And when they're ready for it, they can go back and go like, okay, I'm really going to face this challenge now for real. Um, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, I think this is also an important time where like it injects a lot of uh, why are you playing the game? You know, if you're playing the game because you want to challenge yourself, not the time for cheats. If you're playing a game because you just need to vent and blow up some asteroids. What about the cheats? Go for it. Like, yeah. So like cheating is good because um, it can be a sort of like difficulty corrector for games that don't have like difficulty settings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, it's a spe- specifically like a lot of older games I'm thinking of. Um, so the last sort of strategy I have for handling difficulty is uh, if it's a co-op game, just play with them. Um, this also carries a little bit of the avoid playing the game for them type of thing. Uh, you don't, if you're really, really good at it, you don't want to go and be like crushing uh, everything um, and basically making it so that you're playing the game and they're just kind of like moving a character around the screen. You know, you want them to contribute in some meaningful way. Uh, uh, particularly, I would say you want to make sure that the mechanics of a game that you're playing don't operate in a way where like they could just die really early on and then just watch you play a level. That's not good. So like a really good example of this is actually earlier today. I was just mentioning it. We were playing Shredder's Revenge. When you die in that, first of all, when you get knocked out in that game, a player can come to try to revive you. Um, And when you die in that game, at least at the difficulty you're playing at, we were playing on the easiest one because I didn't want them to, you know, I was just trying to have fun with them. But like, um, when you actually like, die, die in that game, you just respawn a few seconds later. And so like, they're never not playing the game. Even if I'm doing, you know, killing most of the enemies or whatever, like they're still playing and contributing and they never get to this point where they're just watching me play, you know? Um, so like, I think the very classic example of this, if you want to go to old school, is like playing Tails in Sonic, <laughs> you know? It's like, you're technically invincible. You can get hit as much as you want and uh, you never really die, but you could still affect things. You can still like blow up an enemy and collect a power up and hit the boss and stuff like that. Like classic little brother type of roles, you know, can be good. Um, and that works pretty well for like all the way down to quite young ages. Like uh, my six-year-old was playing uh, the the shredder's revenge with us and he was having a blast he was like begging me to play some more uh earlier but uh you know i'm doing this instead <laughs> uh yeah i think well, yeah. I, I feel like that's like the value of 
like of, of, of a lot of the value of co-op for younger kids is that they're able to learn basic mechanics of the game how to how to walk around looking straight not with your rifle up in the air um and how to target and how to do things how to in, interact with the environment learning those basics without like the massive risk of like being good at the game is that's where that's valuable and then yeah just the co-op it's fun to play games with somebody like yeah so i think we're gonna have to cut the episode here today and we'll do a part two coming up next week where we will uh uh kind of dive deeper into all of this and uh different uh strategies and uh, different types of games for where different strategies can be implemented and uh on all of that um so philip where can everybody find us uh, well, if, uh, first of all, if you have, if you're listening to us uh, on YouTube, you know, uh, press the, uh, subscribe button so you can always be aware of when the next thing is coming out. Uh, if you really want to know, get the notification bell. Uh, if you're just listening to us on any, a number of podcast platforms, uh, we can be found all over there. Um, uh, and if you really like the podcast and want to support us uh, financially or join our community on Discord, uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash raisemleft. And, uh, you know, I'd be really happy to hear uh, any, uh, I was I was looking and part of my research into this to try to find games to play with my kids and stuff like that, like good been on a kick because we got them a computer recently a new pc so we've been trying to find stuff to do with them on there and so if you have good recommendations about games to play their kids i'd love to hear them yeah thank you all have a wonderful morning afternoon evening night or whatever other time of day it is thank you good night or bye <laughs>